Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. 53106 is our text number. That will cost you 30 cents. Now, you'll know Emily Pine for the huge success of her book uh, of essays, Notes to Self, which she followed up with the, uh, with the novel Ruth and Penn uh, earlier this year. But for the Dublin Theatre Festival, she has two plays, one about sex and one about birth. Emily, good afternoon. Hello. Is it a coincidence that you have two pieces in, in the theatre festival and one's about sex and one's about birth? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of it like that. It's a COVID coincidence. Yeah. So obviously during the pandemic it was really hard to develop anything um, in terms of we couldn't be in theatres, we couldn't be in workshops. And so, yeah, COVID means that both are coming at once. Right. OK. So but it, it's an odd kind of uh, synchronicity between the two pieces. Yeah, I mean, th- there there isn't any actual synchronicity yeah. between <laughs> the two pieces. They feel completely different. One could different. infer that. Though. Well, yeah, yeah I mean... You might infer it just from the kinds of things I'm interested in as a writer. Yeah. So for me, I am interested, I mean, obviously in stories and characters, but also just in the the kinds of things that are left unsaid, that are often unspoken, that are that we don't look at, that we don't think about publicly. So whether that's women's bodies, whether that's reproductive health and the, you know, maternity hospital, the kinds of losses that happen in that building and don't get spoken about publicly very often. Or in the case of Good Sex, that play, thinking about intimacy and how people touch each other and how you know, sometimes that goes very, very wrong. And again, that becomes a kind of unspeakable thing socially. Mm. And I think it's wonderful to get to explore it both as a writer, but now also watching theatre companies kind of take those subjects on. Yeah, and uh, because, as you know, you're obviously your best uh, known for uh, the novel and, and, and the book of this, but you have written academic works about the theatre. Is there, yeah, am I, I wrong have. there? No, I mean, that's my actual job. Yeah, that's your right? actual job. So yeah. it must be funny that you're kind of, uh, um, uh, you're now a poacher. Or yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, it's exciting because I'm so used to, I've spent 15 years standing in classrooms and sitting with students talking about what happens in this play and let's interpret this line and now I'm in rehearsal rooms and actors are saying to me oh what did you mean by this line and I'm like well let me tell you (laughs) you know it's a fascinating insight into and the other thing I would say as well and this is definitely something I'll bring back to UCD um, and to my students there is this idea that the script, which I always say is is the beginning of a show and what you actually see happening live and, mm. you know, all of the lighting and the set and the actors and the performance and the direction really is true. Like, it's amazing. The, the script that I wrote for Good Sex has changed so much in the rehearsal room, just watching people kind of up on their feet doing it. And so the idea of, of theatre is a really responsive art where performance, where live performance is what, is really meaningful. Yeah. Now, uh, and have you heard people rehearse your lines and then when they came out of their mouth with their intonation, you kind of thought, that's a bit wrong. That's oh, not what I intended. I often think that's a bit better, uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the, but though, as I understand, for good sex, it's 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 different actors every night and they, they're they not rehearsed. They won't have no, seen the script. I know. 
Why did you choose to go that way? I didn't. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kind of uh, experiment of working with a director. So Ben Kidd uh, is, uh, is the director with Dead Centre. Dead Centre are a theatre company that I've admired for many years. And I really like their experimental take on things. So they always have, their shows always have a kind of angle. And Ben has always wanted to do a show, to make a show with actors who haven't rehearsed and to kind of experiment and see well, what happens. And that example you just gave, you know, how an actor's intonation changes the line. Like, they won't be rehearsed, so we can't control how they intone it or how they say it. And so when they perform it on stage, it really has that sense of not just liveness, but this, they're discovering the script at the same time as the audience are discovering it. So there's that sharedness to it. I mean, it could also, of course, go horribly wrong. <laughs> well, hopefully they're professional. But would they have seen the script at all beforehand? No, no. Because you know the way if an actress seen the script beforehand... They may telegraph certain lines because they know it has a relevance later on and that kind of thing. No, and and so the the idea of the play is that it's two people together for a single night and that it kind of happens in real time and that they are... And they haven't seen each other in a long time. They're just rediscovering each other. So there is a parallel between how it's being performed mm. and, and then also the subject matter of it. But no, they won't. I mean, the one thing I will say is that there are, and I think this is important to say, is that there are moments in the play where the two characters touch. And, or the, and of course, as a result, if the two characters touch, then the two actors have to touch. And the play Good Sex is also about exploring this new industry of intimacy direction, which mm. is like doing what fight direction does for fights it's doing it for sex and touching and so obviously it's really important to do that as ethically as possible so the actors certainly will be rehearsed in terms of how they work with each other physically they just will never have seen the script so they don't know what they're doing but they know how to do it right okay but in the, will the intimacy coordinator be there on on stage with them is that there kind will of happening be an, live as well yeah yeah Okay, that's interesting. And I suppose, yeah, because they want to see the script before, there'll be a certain amount of awkwardness and nervousness. and Which there is, you know, yeah. if you like are seeing someone you haven't seen in a long time. It's yeah. just a bit weird sometimes. So, so. But, so the actual narrative of the story is about two people who haven't seen each other in a long yeah. time. Uh, and is that because of COVID or oh, some you other don't, reason? Oh, you know nothing. Oh, you don't need. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, I can't say anything because, right, you know. a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. Okay. For the actors, not least for the audience. So the, the kind of the fourth wall is knocked down a bit to a certain extent. Yeah, this well. is this is something I would say about Dead Centre and actually also about a new productions and um, who are doing the show in the maternity hospital. Two experimental theatre companies in Ireland who are really trying to challenge that idea that theatre is something that happens behind this invisible fourth wall. Mm-hmm. And they really, I admire both of those companies for how much they reach out to audiences and think about the audience as a kind of co-maker of meaning. So it's not that the audience are sitting in the dark, totally passive, but actually that the audience are there. And we all know what it's like to be in a room with an audience who are really rooting for what's going on mm. on stage. And I think that's certainly the case here, you know, that everyone will be wanting it to succeed or or wanting to to enjoy the experiment. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I can. I can see. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that, that might be the kind of almost anxiety provoking at times I mean, for the audience. For the audience. Also, for me as a writer, you know, this is uncharted territory for mm. me, and I, you know, I, I like to know where I'm going, and I, I don't feel like I do, and so, and I think it's a risk that's really worth taking, but it, it certainly feels like a risk, and I really, I mean, I really trust Ben as the director. Um, but it, it really is a lot resting on his vision. And, and then, of course, all the amazing stuff that gets done in the weeks leading up to it, all the backstage preparation, incredible kind of 
assistant directors and stage managers, incredible kind of cast who are workshopping it with, incredible lead actors, you know, just really, yeah, it's mm. exciting, but it, it does feel a bit edgy. Now, uh, now and that's at, that's at the Samuel Beckett Theatre uh, and it opens on the 28th. Now, the All Hardest of Women is actually in the National Maternity Hospital. It is. You know, where else should it be? Uh, and is it is it very much based on real experiences from women? And, and did you have to do a lot of research on that. It is. I mean, I was writer in residence at the National Maternity Hospital in from 2019 to 2020. Mm. Uh, and that was obviously cut short by COVID. And so one of the things I felt coming out of that was that I had, as, as a, I mean, I had been in that building prior to that as a patient mm. several times. And I had been there with my sister when her children were born and particularly when her daughter who, who died at birth was born. And so I had a lot of memories myself going back into that building. And then when I was there as a writer, I met a lot of people. I met a lot of staff, uh, a lot of midwives, a lot of consultants, a lot of, you know, everybody working there. Um, I met a lot of patients as well. And so I, I had I had this these notebooks full of notes and kind of nothing really I didn't really know what to do with them and then I was having conversations with Louise Lowe who's just an inspired director and I just admire her work so much and the whole company um, brings so much to, to what they do so they do as a company do so much historical research and Louise has done a lot of research on the hospital and on maternity services in general and then I brought my research and my stories as well and together these kind of creative voices out of which Louise has kind of created uh, a show. Right, okay, but it kind of intersects with um, a, an episode of Ulysses. It does. I mean, it's part of the Ulysses 2.2 project and the, you know, that episode in Ulysses, I mean, it, it's set in and around the maternity hospital. It's mm. mostly men talking. Yes. You know, well. <laughs> doesn't really feel... Most, apart from the end, most of Ulysses is men talking. I know. <laughs> it doesn't really feel like a 20th first century version of what a maternity hospital looks or feels or sounds like. Yeah. And so really part of the rationale there was to get it away from... Um, and certainly to, to take huge inspiration from Joyce's approach and from that sense of in Ulysses of the everyday of the city and the quotidian detail and the the rootedness in people's lives that you get out of Ulysses, the kind of incredible detail. But then also to really think about how do we prioritise the voices and experiences of the people who are going through this service, and it is primarily women, mm. and to think about it from there, how, how does that building look from their perspective? And how does it feel like, to, what does it feel like to walk into that building and because you know the the hospital have been incredibly magnanimous and welcoming and and allowing us to to stage the show there audience members will get to walk into the building and and I, they will often have you know their own relationship either to that hospital or to other hospitals mm. and bring their own emotions and experiences with them as well so that will really shape how they react and, and will they see is it a series of individual stories from people or, or how does it yeah, work yeah I mean it weaves into a kind of a whole but they're very Anu always work with very small audiences so there'll be a small audience group and, and obviously it would be too disruptive to the hospital to yes, bring in large course, amounts yeah. of people. So the, the most important thing is that the hospital mm. gets to work mm. as a hospital. And that's why the shows are on quite late in the evening as well, just so that it's quieter for everybody. But the audience will come into the, um, into the hospital and into the performance space and they will encounter different stories.
Right. Okay. And so then, so the, how many characters were they in over the course of that evening? I think that's still slightly emerging. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, you're still working on yeah, that one. Yeah. And so when when is that on? It's obviously in the of uh, the, uh, the details being released. What? Yeah, date it's that's on as part of the Dublin Theatre Festival as well. There's two shows a day, um, and it starts again on the 29th. Right. Okay. That's uh, that's grand. One thing I always wanted to ask you, though, uh, just in and it's probably one of those I'm sick of answering this question on on uh, notes to self. Did your relationship with your father change after you, after that essay was published? You know, I wrote about my dad, and for anyone who doesn't know, like I wrote about my dad's, uh, my, my lifelong relationship to him through his alcoholism mm. and how in 2013 he, you know, went into liver failure and nearly died. I mean, the really happy news is he stopped drinking. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, fundamentally, our relationship changed because of that more than because of the essay. The essay, I think, and I say this sometimes about writing, but it can be about speaking too. I think often families function in a kind of fiction and it's a fiction that keeps us all together and ticking Mm. over and everything is okay and everything is fine but maybe under the surface there are all of these feelings that need to be said and what I did was was break that fiction and break the surface and and let it all out so I would say everything has changed and also nothing has changed yeah because it's kind of an interesting sense that 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 I mean it's harrowing that whole account of your father being sick but but you know the kind of the epilogue is that he kind of goes well I had to stop drinking but it was great when I was drinking yeah Yeah, so as you can't Kind of accept perhaps damage was done. He still misses it. Yeah. You know, and he, you know, but any addict, whatever yeah. they're addicted to will always, and this is the thing, and I've spoken about this with so many other children of alcoholics, that how difficult, or people who are in relationships with alcoholics, um, the thing that's so difficult about it is that their first love is the thing, is the source yeah. of their addiction. And, and you will always come second or third or fourth to that. And it's very, very hard. And, you know, what's been amazing with him sober is to watch him kind of rebuild a lot of relationships. And, you know, he he has a grandson now and he just adores him. And it just is like watching a kind of new generation version of of, of grandfather as well and, yeah. and him discovering some kind of joy. That's the other thing I think about addiction is the the way alcohol and other drugs insulate the person who's going through it from real life. And they insulate them, I think, in the first place from difficult emotions, but they also insulate them from happiness and joy and contentment. And so, you know, sober, I think he can. And I mean, I feel terrible because I'm speaking for him now. He should get to say himself. (laughs) That's a terrible thing when you have Well, I get the impression he's well able to talk (laughs) himself, actually. He doesn't stop. (laughs) (laughs) But there's that sense, you know, of like, oh, well, I'm the person who knows about him. No, actually, he's the person who knows about himself. But from the sidelines, and certainly in terms of my relationship with him, it feels much more honest. And Mm. that brings us back to where we started, this idea that I think writing and culture and art, but also how we speak to each other, can be so valuable and so important for saying, like, saying the thing that has gone unspoken. And we're often so afraid of what the reaction to that will be. And I find I have found that it can be really hard in the moment, but it can also set you free. Those two plays are Good Sex, that's at the Samuel Beckett Theatre, and All Hardest of Women, that's going to be at the National Maternity Hospital. You can get the details on dublintheatrefestival.ie. Emily Pine, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.